Hi, everybody. Good evening. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, to be joined tonight by Michael Leone. We're going to talk about the week, a big week in fantasy football and in football with the NFL draft. Very rare. You don't often see this with Mike Leone on Twitter at two hats, one mic. Ladies and gentlemen, two mics, one hat. This is the deep end going live. All right, how'd I do? I really, I really pumped up that line. Two mics, one hat. I just, I was excited about it, Mike. I, I like it. We got two mics on the show. Let, let's roll with it. Adam's hat does the job. Don't anybody else put one on. That's right. Mike Leone established the run. Adam and Mike are both like myself here in Western New York, Grand Island, Tonawanda. What is it, Churchville? Where are you? Scottsdale. I'm Greece, Greece, New York. Greece. Very good. And Adam and Mike are both joining me in our new dynasty startup, Empire Niagara. We might talk a little bit about that toward the end as there'll be some fun strategy uh, to talk about there, I think, anyway. What's better than a startup dynasty auction? We've got that to look forward to in May. But, of course, this week it's the NFL draft, Mike. And, you know, a lot of us have been playing best ball you know, $35 jobbers or whatever uh, for months even by now. It's early to a lot of people, but it's not that early for us. And we both noticed uh, a piece you wrote and then you talked about it, established the run uh, about strategy when you're talking about running backs. Really interesting stuff and just um, a, re- a really good concept and idea here. Will you, will you go in a little bit about how you would recommend either to build those teams or to not build those teams generally? Yeah. So the strategy at running back, you know, kind of called the hyper fragile running back strategy. We call it that because people who are into the anti-fragile running back strategy is basically the zero RB strategy where you're not drafting a running back early. You're getting a bunch of the zero RB candidates late, kind of taking advantage of the chaos up top. But in best ball, there are some reasons why that doesn't necessarily work for starters. There's no in-season management, which, you know, is a big key to any zero RB strategy. Uh, the roster spots are, you, you have to maximize each roster spot in best ball so much. The other thing I looked at too, was if you look at the correlation from, you know, preseason ADP to season long performance, running backs and wide receivers are about equally predictable. But then when you look at it week to week, wide receivers are less predictable, you know, from their preseason ADP. And that, that makes sense because it's not as volume driven you know, guys that are just on the field for a few targets, they break a big play, can have a huge game. So the way to take advantage of all that, in my mind, is to take a few RBs early, you know, get those guys that have really clear-cut starting roles, hopefully have a high ceiling early, but don't take a lot of them. So I'll take, you know, maybe two or three in the first five or six rounds um, of an eight, you know, if you're an 18-rounder, and then, but I'll only end up with like four running backs total. And then basically what I'm saying is, if these guys stay healthy and they don't completely bust, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get usable running back scores all year from them. And then I can have a ton of receivers take advantage of that weekly variance at receiver by you know being able to devote so many roster spots to receivers. So you can make up for quality with quantity at wide receiver and best ball. Can't really do it in in-season management, can with best ball. So that's sort of the thesis behind it. And then if your running backs get hurt early. Uh, you kind of just have to take the L, you know, sometimes I think we worry too much about backup plans and you just have to accept if, 
you know, you draft Christian McCaffrey in the first round. If he gets hurt, you know, you, your win rates are going to drop anyway. So why try and fight that? Yeah. Is there, is there a running back Mike uh, is an example where you would kind of chase that, that handcuff over a receiver. So let's say would, like, if you had Zeke, would you chase Pollard knowing that, you know, he could put up, uh, you know, RB one numbers or, you know, um, if Delvin cook gets hurt, maybe the handcuff there. So is there a situation where you would uh, push that handcuff up, up the board? I'm, this might even be a leak in my game, but I really just despise handcuffing, especially in best ball. I, I just want so many, like, I want so many cracks. I want everyone to have a chance to really hit their ceiling. So I don't really want to cannibalize myself. You know, sometimes if I'm in a redraft league and I feel like I have a really big edge of my competitors, I'll do the handcuff strategy just because you know, at that point, I just don't need to take on the extra upside or the extra risk. But most of the time, the best ball, you know, whether you're playing drafters, FFPC or underdog, whatever it is, um, I really try to avoid handcuffing. You know, there is a big point here that I love. Uh, and I it came back to light when you talked about running backs this way, Mike. But I've heard you talk about it in terms of quarterbacks. I think there was a point you made one on one show about Aaron Rodgers. And I just love this point. And I don't know how long you've sort of been walking around with it and using it in, in your games, but you it, it's sort of the opposite of how I think and I think most people react to these sort of things, which is you have to assume that a certain amount of your decisions go right. And a lot of the time we're reacting off of decisions that we're worried about go wrong. You've talked about it already. What if this guy gets hurt or whatever it might be, a team, Cleveland with Nick Chubb. Well, what do I do about that? What if Kareem Hunt cuts into this extent? How do I account for that? And in these best ball leagues, your first few picks or whatever it is, starting quarterback, wherever it is that you might waste roster spots on contingency plans, your attitude is, or philosophy, I've got to assume a certain amount of things go right here to have any chance. And I just yes. love that as a, as a swing thought, you know, whether it's fantasy football or maybe a lot of things, you know, get, give yourself that chance to win. Yeah, you really want to optimize around, you know, one or two things going right. And um, I definitely had a big revelation last year digging through some data. And it wasn't so much, maybe not necessarily that point, but that point kind of branched off from it. But it was just that best ball and managed redraft leagues are different games. You know, you have to approach them so differently. Uh, it's not like a tweaked version of one game or the other. They're completely different games. And uh yeah, you know, if you're worried about your running, like if the hyper fragile running back strategy I talked about, if you're so worried about, you know, hedging those running backs, if they get hurt, you know, you just end up taking away spots from receivers that can really contribute to your scores. And you end up like middling things a little bit where you're not hitting the ceiling when your running backs hit because you've got dead roster spots with fifth, sixth running backs that just aren't cracking the roster when those could be at the volatile receiver position. So yeah, I really like to do that. I'll do it in, in non-best ball leagues too, especially if you play the big tournaments, um, just really assuming one thing goes right. And you see it with win rates too, all the historic win rates. You know, if you take a tight end early, you know, teams with two tight ends do better teams with three tight ends. Um, it's just, and, and that's because over, there's obviously going to be some teams with exceptions, but if you've got the Travis Kelsey season you got last year, uh, the Travis Kelsey teams that really elevated didn't waste a spot on a third tight end because that you know that third tight it was just a waste. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's to me best ball is fun because it's about roster construction, 
and um and people can make such mistakes like you know it's it's hard to say that you made a mistake with at the tight end position if you drafted Kelsey last year but if you drafted a third like you said if you drafted a third tight end it was it was such a waste um you know again you didn't know Kelsey was going to have that year but you took him you took him high so you were hoping he was going to have that year um another thing is I love best ball different because like me I'm you know, I love doing the, you know, I don't want to say zero RB, but I love doing the one running back early and then loading up on the mm-hmm. receivers in the mid rounds because there's just so much value there. Um, they score points at, at, at a higher rate in those, uh, the middle receivers there score much higher points in the middle running backs, but then best ball, uh, I love to load up on running backs early. Um, uh, but not often. Right. So I'll load up on two or three at the beginning, knowing mm-hmm. that I can get, you know, a four uh, receivers in the 14th through 18th round, they're going to pop off, you know, one or two or three weeks where they score a long touchdown and fill in for me at that receiver spot. Whereas it's very hard to find a running back in the 15th round. That's going to have a random week where he goes off for, you know, 25 points. So normally those running backs have to have to win for you by, um, by winning a starting job or by there being an injury uh, to the backfield that they're in. So, uh, yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I, I choose to go running backs early, but not often for those best balls. We're talking some best ball strategy. Mike Leone with us here on the Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst. Well, it's draft week, Mike. I don't know. I do that daily show in Buffalo. There is a lot of stress. The Bills picking <laughs> at the end has not really alleviated that stress. I'm still sort of thinking through what if they draft a running back, am I going to sit here and bash a team that won 13 games and a a, a front office that has done as well as it has. But in in terms of fantasy, I think the biggest one, maybe by far is San Francisco as here we are. It's not that amazing that this close to the draft, there's uncertainty about a team. I mean, that's fairly common, I guess, but Twitter for me, and I wonder if you see different, it is just a feeling of dread awaiting if the Niners pick Mac Jones from a fantasy standpoint, from an analytics standpoint, are they really going to, are we really going to see a team that Twitter loves? I mean, the, the 49ers are an opportunity for like the perfect player, the perfect athlete fields, Lance, whoever to land. And if they pick Mac Jones, I think there's just going to be, I mean, it's going to be outrage. That's a pretty big story, especially for two quarterback leagues, or maybe exclusively for two quarterback leagues going into the draft. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that it's going to be disappointing. It almost felt like, I don't know if you guys caught any of the press conference yesterday from Lynch and Shanahan, but it felt like they were preparing everyone for that disappointment almost. I've never seen anything like it. It was like they were uh, defending themselves before the pick even came in. So, you know, the betting markets really heavily favor Mac Jones right now. yeah, it would be frustrating because it, it does seem like whoever lands there is in such a good spot right off the bat. Uh, it's rare for a team, you know, with San Francisco strengths to be picking, you know, from these really high-end quarterback prospects. And Mac Jones doesn't run like the other quarterbacks do. So uh, I've gotten deep into the dynasty weeds the last couple of years. So it does mess with your super flex rookie drafts because there's four guys and then Mac Jones is like this fifth. But then if Mac Jones goes to 49ers and has the best landing spot, now it's like, how do you weight, you know, Fields and Lance's rushing upside versus what Mac Jones has to offer? And Robert Mays, I'm looking at it right now, had a tweet today. And the reason why this pick's so intriguing, he said, if you look at, you know, yards per attempt from 2017 to 2020, 
Second best in the entire NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo at 8.3 yards per attempt. And then eighth best, Nick Mullins at 7.9 yards per attempt. So they're getting subpar quarterback play, it feels like, and they're extremely efficient passing the ball. So what happens if they get a good quarterback, they get good quarterback play, maybe they throw quite a bit more than they have in the past. Um, So it's really intriguing to see a team that has somehow turned bad quarterback play into some of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. That's what's so interesting is you got, you know, I just feel like the upside on Mac Jones. Now I, most people feel like the upside on Mac Jones uh, isn't as high as those, as those other guys. I mean, I almost feel like we kind of, it got, what gets lost in the weeds is because Mac Jones, do people think he's going to be a good, a good quarterback? Like people can't get over the fact that, Oh my gosh, they traded up and they're going to take him over Lance fields. Um, uh, Wilson will probably be gone, but um, you know, is Mac Jones going to be a good NFL quarterback? I think that kind of gets lost in the mix. I have no idea. I don't ever um, try to predict uh, college quarterbacks um, coming out, except for Josh Allen. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, I just feel like the Justin Fields or the Trey Lances, the the ceiling is the is so high with them. Um, you know, is Mac Jones? You know, could he? Could he? This might be the best spot for Mac Jones. You know, to to go to. So. Um, what do you think about uh, him as an actual prospect? Yeah, I don't, you know, I kind of trust other people on the prospect stuff a little bit more. I also try to weight the draft capital a decent bit. I've kind of made the mistake in past years of being like really against Josh Allen. Even last year, I remember, you know, very, very reluctantly taking Herbert in a, in a super flex rookie draft where I just needed a quarterback. And of course that, turned out really well. So I'm trying to kind of separate what I think is going to happen with these guys. I do know that back challenges passing efficiency in college was kind of off the charts. And I know a lot of people are quick to just assume that that's because he played on such a good team. You know, you have you know, two of the first three receivers are going to go in this draft where his receivers. So I don't know how much to tease that out, but I'm trying not to, I guess, overthink it. And I've actually done two startups on FFPC and I've um, super flex startups. I've got Mac Jones on both of my teams just because he comes at such a steep discount to the other rookie quarterbacks that if he lands in San Francisco, I don't have the point scoring upside because of the lack of rushing, but I could have a guy for five years. that's just, you know, totally solid, which is pretty big in super flex leagues. The weapons are good. There are just, you know, take fields. I mean, there I, are scenarios. You go ahead. I mean, it feels like Fields should be the pick. It's weird. And this is where fantasy Twitter really disagrees. It's like not just on Mac Jones, but on Fields in general, it seems like. I mean, I know I've put out some bets that uh, I put, I think I got like plus 300 that both Mac Jones and Trey Lance go before Justin Fields, which is kind of nuts because, you know, Fields, he has the rushing upside, but he was great as a passer too. Like he's supposed to be a very accurate passer. So it's it just, it's strange that here we are and fields is basically dead in the betting waters for the number three pick. And and really we've kind of given the jets a pass with Zach Wilson, but like arguably Fields should be going as high as two. Right now you're a favorite on those bets, right? I mean, right now Jones and Lance are likely to go at least Jones is of course, but I think you're a favorite on those uh, if you wanted to sell them, but fields, I, I was started to say, I think there are scenarios here two days away where he could be the fifth quarterback in somebody's rankings by Sunday, all the way up to the first. 
If he does go to San Francisco, I think there's an argument that he's QB1 in fantasy over Lawrence. I mean, that's just a, that's a perfect – but it's not going to happen. If he goes to Tampa because everybody just decides they, they don't want to do it and he goes all the way down and Tampa's sitting there like, well, we don't need anything else and Tom Brady's 58 years old, so <laughs> Justin Fields, then you probably have to go Jones over him. And there's just so many different possible outcomes here. Then, then you have Atlanta, of course, and whether they do one or not, if, if they draft Lance or Fields, I guess, if that's possible, then you got to wonder if they're when they're going to play. I mean, we're, we're used yeah. now to quarterbacks going right in, Jacksonville and the Jets, you just would assume it, but Atlanta, I don't know. Yeah, that would be like the Mahomes, you know, Alex Smith situation. You'd pretty much be – You'd be sitting a year barring something kind of crazy. Like Matt Ryan hasn't fallen off that much. The offense would be good enough, I think. But to your point, yeah, if he goes to San Fran, I do think he's one. I still kind of have him two in my tentative rankings. I'm hoping he goes to Denver, but yeah, I mean, Denver or Carolina, I'd be pretty happy. You know, all my DJ Moore stocks maybe pay off if he goes to Carolina. We get an uptick there. Denver, I mean, I think Drew Locke's awful. We've got so many weapons with fan sudden coming back from injury jerry judy was really highly thought of coming out last year even kj hamler was on a lot of people's radar so i would love to see denver as a landing spot for fields i agree i think he's too adam i think he's too if carolina or denver yeah, I love, and we were talking about the whole Deshaun Watson thing, like what team would we love to see him go to? I remember you, Mike, and, and Matt Schaff saying San Francisco, and I was saying Denver. So it's like the same two teams are going for quarterbacks. And, man, if Denver could just get one of these rookies or, you know, um, you know, off the subject, if they could get, you know, a Deshaun Watson or something like that, like they have, like you said, they have so many, many weapons. And I think Atlanta, like I was listening to um, – to ETR's uh, podcast today about the, about the upcoming draft. And they were talking about how Atlanta should probably take a quarterback, but they're not going to be in this position again uh, to have a, a shot at a, at a really good quarterback. So yeah, draft one, let them sit. I think they should definitely do, you know, do that, but yeah, it's so interesting. Mac Jones right now, I think is, uh, you know, minus, minus two twenty five to go, to go third, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's wild. And I think, you know, J Justin Fields, it's, you know, you, you see Deshaun Watson in his, in his game, you know, it's just, um, it's whatever, his landing spot's going to be wild. If the Patriots trade up to get him, I'm going to just throw something through the television, Mike. I'm going to tell you this right, right now. Oh, so, my goodness. That's the, that's the nightmare is he slips the, the Patriots get him and they don't even have to, you know, give up that much to get him. Oh, you know what about Watson? So, I mean, we're not here to talk about the veterans, but. Watson probably does get traded at some point, and he's probably not suspended for life. <laughs> Den Denver, to whatever extent they want to still see what Drew Locke can do, because it sort of felt like they are not done with him, Denver could still do that at some point. The price is probably cheaper. You make out some sort of contingency plan for a suspension. It's priced into the, into the trade, and then they sit there with Watson, who is suspended for a while probably, and they're watching Locke, and then they walk away, and they have Sean Watson on their team. I mean, I think there might be a way to do that, but with the rookies, a lot of things are possible. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. Ooh. So in a single quarterback league where you're not going to take – I mean, I know what it says on the screen with my name and everything, but we'll get to that. If you're not going to take a quarterback first in a single quarterback fantasy league, Mike – What's the argument or how good is the argument for Pitts at 101? I think 
I mean, I, I think it's, I, I wouldn't do it myself. If you're talking like a standard league, it's not tight end premium. Uh, it's really difficult to make a projection on pits. I try to like come in with like the macro view first and then the inside view. And the macro view is we've just been really bad at identifying tight end upside. You know, I looked at 10 years of, uh, rookie ADPs basically, um, from my fantasy league and the elite seasons, you know, they were coming from guys like Kelsey Gronkowski were second, third round picks in, in rookie drafts. And mm. we've, we've just been really bad at it, but we also haven't had a prospect like Kyle Pitts. You know, I'm looking at playerprofiler.com, 98th percentile speed score for tight ends, you know, 92nd percentile for college dominator rating. He's got the, you know, the size at 6'6", 245. It's just, it's something we haven't seen before. I still feel like I'd lean a little bit towards either Jamar Chase or whichever running back just gets, if one of the running backs gets a spot where they're going to step into volume right away between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. I, I would hope it's Etienne who I have above Harris, but try not to split hairs there. Just kind of look at the landing spot. Uh, I'd probably go those guys over pits, but I do feel like I missed an opportunity in best ball to take some pits before it felt like early best ball season that yeah. the price tag on pits was, I thought it was aggressive, but in retrospect, it feels like it was probably a buying opportunity that we're not going to see again, especially if right. he goes to Atlanta. Right. Adam, what did you see at fantasy mojo that he ended up, or is he at like tight end five? In those best balls, you wish he was at tight end five. <laughs> He's yeah, at tight end four. Okay, and that and that's four. because of you, by the way, Shope, because mm -hmm. you've been drafting him in every draft you can get your hands on him. But uh, yeah, first well, of all, can I in my in my own defense? <laughs> so five is probably Hawkinson, and then you get into Evan Ingram, Gasicki territory. Who wants I, to live like that? Yeah, five is <laughs> five's Andrews. Six six is Hawkinson. Five is Andrews. So yeah. Okay, of course, of course, that's right. Four yeah. pits, five Andrews, six yeah. Hawkinson. Once that's, you get past Hawkinson, who, who are you supposed to want? I like guess there's, there's an argument for, but also against everybody. So I was taking pits because if, what, what does it, taking Evan Ingram feel like? What does taking Gasicki right. or Hayden Hurst feel like? I mean, yeah, you might as well go for the go for the gusto there. Yeah, in hindsight, I wish I had done that. Um, I was still tentative. I, I think I was too latched on to like the lack of rookie tight end success, but I do think it's going to be different. And I probably didn't consider enough that he could go to Atlanta for a while there. It seemed like me and everyone was assuming that we were just going to get four quarterbacks out of the gate and none of them were going to be Mac Jones. <laughs> but yeah. um, I know when Miami made the trade, I had tweeted like a oh, quarterback still in play. And it was kind of like, nope, it's going to be four quarterbacks. So it's, it's really interesting. But yeah, after, I mean, even Hawkinson versus Pitts is like, I mean, Hawkinson got there last year basically because he's just out survived everyone, but it, you know, you didn't feel like he was a real difference maker. Yeah. First of all, I love that you said in early best ball season and we're in April and we're past early best ball season. That's, that's what fantasy football sure. has become. We're early best ball season is January. It's over. It's over. That's right. And we haven't even hit the NFL draft. I love that. Right. Secondly, I hate that Kyle Pitts is tight end four because it's one of those things where, you know, you just start to get into your NFL draft prep and you're like, man, this Kyle Pitts is a stud. I'm going to take him. I'm going to steal him in these fantasy drafts. And you come here and he's already tight end four. It's, it's just, 
there's no value on him. And the, um, like you said, there's just a rookie tight ends have never done anything ever to, to nowhere near to tight end four. And the ones who were doing it, like you said, were second and third round rookie picks. So pits at the one Oh one in a tight end premium. Uh, I probably can't pull the trigger unless it was one of those leagues where it's, it's um, like an FFPC dynasty where I made a bunch of trades and I've got like four first round picks or something that, okay, I can, I can take pits there and maybe I have pick three and four and I can still do some other work uh, or I could trade back and take pits. But, I just see him being maybe not this year, unless he goes to Atlanta or maybe even Cincinnati. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to land in a, in, a, in a like if he goes to Miami. No, no thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, he could he could fall, and then maybe Dallas moves up to get him, and then and then you're all over him again. So uh, well, his his spot is going to be very very interesting, right? Like so, I have Cincinnati on Chase at five. Either way, if Atlanta's a quarterback, because that's what they feel like they have to do, then it gets very interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are teams like the Dolphins and the Lions who are not obvious good fits. Other there still be a fifth quarterback on the board. Is there a trade? I think in terms of 2021, you want to bet like you're saying, Mike, like you want to bet against the rookie tight end. Everybody sort of knows that in terms of fantasy. But those other guys are so there's so much fluctuation. And if I get pits on the right team and by the middle of the season he starts to really matter. See, Atlanta, what is – they're so interesting for so many reasons. What is their ball game? They have a new coach, and they're picking fourth overall. They were bad. You feel like that's rebuilding. But it's Matt Ryan, who isn't really bad yet. And for now, Julio Jones. And, like, it's a team that – that like the flip side is a team that should push. But then you have Tampa Bay and even maybe New Orleans. If New Orleans can stay good, I don't know. It's a very tough one. If I were the Falcons, I would be trading down. I would yeah. gamble on, you know, avoiding pits. I'm going to get another first round from somebody. I'm not doing the quarterback now. I'm going to play it out with Matt Ryan. And, you know, next year I go into the draft with two firsts and two seconds, something like that. That's what I would do. But it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I very selfishly for the betting card needed to go not fields at three, <laughs> pits at four, chase at five. So that's what I'm rooting for and just assuming mentally is going to happen. But yeah, if Pitts goes to Atlanta, I'm I mean your point too that you kind of want to bet against it and redraft, you know, at the point it is now at T4. But man, if you're in a tight end premium dynasty league, I mean, Travis Kelsey I mean, the, the edge he had positionally last year was insane. And you know, he's probably gonna start to fall off the next few years. He's getting up there in age. Uh, even Waller is not that young um, no. because he had bounced around a little bit before breaking out with the Raiders. And you know, Kittle's probably going to be pretty good for a little while, but like he he could have such a, a huge positional edge. And, and sometimes I think people overrate upside at the other positions where you know they kind of the value cascades down a little bit more evenly. But at tight end, I mean, you could have a few guys up here and everyone else down here and to have a guy that could be up here for a handful of years is, is definitely tempting. Yeah. Kittle is going into his fifth year. Waller is going into his seventh. Technically, I think I heard that Pitts is just 21. Isn't it possible in this dynasty startup we're doing in May that Pitts goes as the most valuable tight end? Is it possible? Maybe it is. I covered it. But. I think it's. I think that usually you get someone that's really trying to win now. That's probably going to go 
big on Kelsey, but I think it's it's in the it's reasonable that that could happen. I wouldn't be shocked yep. if someone really went all in on Pitts. I feel like Adam, you're Mr. Win now. You're gonna walk in there and just be like, I'm Adam Krautwurst. You've seen me on YouTube, and I am here because in these things, right? What's what's kind of cool? Not spending your money. And, you know, rookies are, are really cool. So you're just going to be like, I'm just going to slide in here and draft Zeke and Listen, Kelsey was, and, and Julio Jones. That's that your, was the that's plan. They started inviting guys like, like, oh, yeah, come join this friendly league over here. Oh, wait, Le- Leone's in the league. You know, all these guys, all the, you know, you, you, you're calling the who's who of Western New York. So, you know, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, we, it, we're, our league is a good combination of who's who and who's that. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, so it, it'll be fun. All right, one more one more rookie to talk about, Mike. Najee Harris. I, I watched you a little bit last week with Pete Overzet and those guys, and I felt like maybe you were down on him. Would you describe yourself as down on him, or is that just how that draft you did fell or what? A little bit down on Najee Harris. Uh, it's tough because it's really like each passing day, it seems like this Pittsburgh Steelers stuff, you know, is – more legitimate. And if he lands with the Steelers, he's probably getting the role that, you know, you really want. Um, You get the draft capital you want. So the concern with Najee Harris, and this is where I just uh, parrot Pat Corain, who does the dynasty stuff for us at ETR. He's in my ear all the time uh, and knows this stuff better than me. But the concern with Najee is there weren't a lot of explosive plays from Najee Harris. And with the lack of combine and stuff and Najee, I don't think he did the 40 or, you know, any of the athletic drills. So I think there's this assumed athleticism that we like to see out of running backs for Najee Harris that might not actually be there. And, you know, you, where you compare that to Travis Etienne, where you really got this, you know, kind of like this game breaking athletic ability. And, you know, the way Pat Crane explains it is, Najee Harris is a little bit like Eddie Lacy and Eddie Lacy got drafted into a great spot in Green Bay and actually was super productive his first few years. So like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But, you know, if you were picking between that and someone that has, you know, a Christian McCaffrey type upside, you'd rather take the Christian McCaffrey type upside. So he's still, you know, in Dynasty going to be like RB 12-ish, you know, just because there's so much you'll kind of bias against the older guys because they can fall off a cliff so quickly. You really want to be invested in the young guys. So it might be nitpicky, but that's sort of the, I guess, anti-Harris case is that. And then, and then the other concern is he did catch passes for uh, Alabama, but what, what if a team decides that he wasn't great at it? He showed he could do it. And what if a team just decides like with Josh Jacobs happened with Las Vegas, that, if they're not going to suit him in that role, then all of a sudden you're at a two down back who doesn't have breakaway speed. And that, you know, just screams fragility. Yeah, exactly. With the, with, with the running backs, you want, you want catches and you want to touchdowns. Obviously Najee Harris has the, has the, the, the touchdown role probably locked down on whatever team he comes into. But um, yeah, the catches, like you said, if they don't, if they pull the, the Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, you know, role, um, you know, and they're not, and they're not getting the, the, the catches, um, look out, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a problem right now. Najee Harris is, you know, he's RB 18 and ETN is, uh, RB 20, uh, right now in, uh, redraft. So, um, they're very close. And I think obviously landing spot is going to, um, catapult them one way or the, or the other. Um, you know, uh, I kind of want to get your take too real quick here, um, is ETN, 
Um, do you think so? There's been the, the bills have been rumored to, to to ETN at 30, maybe even trading up, which I don't think that they'll do. But um, do why you, not? <laughs> that's not like they don't have a tradition of, of it. that rumor. The trade up is the part I believe they've shown that they will do that in the past. <laughs> it's the right. ETN part. That but not for I don't. I wouldn't see him doing it for a running back. I don't know. I, they trade I don't him for a middle line, inside linebacker. So yeah, well, yeah, we can talk about Tremaine Edmonds all, all day, but, um, but yeah, but like, is ETN is that even a good? Is any running back in the first round a good landing spot for Buffalo? Because or is Buffalo a good landing spot because they don't pass to the to the running back. They don't use the running back at the goal line, you know. So, um, what do you think about the Bills taking it back? Yeah, I mean, as a Bills fan, I think I tweeted this, I'd be conflicted where like, I don't think it's a good idea. I think these teams that say they're a player away or whatever, like that's sort of the first step and in crumbling, like you get some bad luck somewhere else. And all of a sudden that player away, now you're back to a few players away and you've invested a really premium pick in a position that doesn't matter a ton. With that said, I think it, you know, if they were to take a running back, I'd want it to be ETN. I know they generally go with the guys that have these really good broken tackle metrics, which Javante Williams fits that mold. You know, Zach Moss, uh, Devin Singletary fit that mold. But I, I think ETN would be a ton of fun in the offense with the space that, you know, they can create um, throwing to him out of the backfield. As far as a pure fantasy spot, it's concerning though, where I think like he could be really efficient and have some big plays, but I don't necessarily know if they'd how committed they would like the other backs I don't think would go away. You know, Zach Moss is a little bit bigger. They might still use Zach Moss by the goal line and that goal line role with Josh Allen's rushing ability. I mean, just look at the combined running back fantasy points from the bills last year, the bills have, you know, one of the best offenses in the entire league and you didn't see that many fantasy points scored. So right. I think it'd be something that people might be from a fantasy perspective, a little overly excited about, I don't know though. Maybe I'm not being imaginative enough and in, in how a good offense could use get get him those fantasy. I'm just worried about the raw touches. Right. One thing to, to wrap the subject up with, you mentioned the dynasty rankings on a Harris or even ETN. What'll be interesting there is a lot of those veterans who are still guys like in their third or fourth or fifth years got paid. So you can take, I mean, McCaffrey's maybe obvious and Cook, but take a guy like Mixon. Zeke Elliott has a contract. Derrick Henry now has a contract. Those guys, you kind of, it'll come down to whether they can handle the workload and the mileage. I mean, because their teams have committed to them. Minnesota's going to want years more out of Dalvin Cook. Cincinnati with mixing and presuming they can figure out how to how to use him and not uh, have him be a healthy scratch for 11 weeks in a row or whatever. Like. <laughs> Those guys are commitments made by their team. In football, they can get out of it. You might see the cap go way up in a couple of years. Maybe it won't matter. But that'll be interesting to watch in Dynasty startups this spring and summer is how do players balance running backs at that stage of their career versus rookies. You have a lot of interesting guys from last year. This year, looks it's pretty light. That, that's what I was going to say. Sorry to cut you off there, but like – that with combination of the fact that we had four or five rookie running backs whose stock have you know kind of all gone up and the guys whose stock didn't go up, Clyde Edwards Alaire is you know someone that a lot of you know pretty popular bounce back candidate this year. But I mean Akers, Taylor going super early. I think Dobbins is a little overvalued, but he's going early. Swift looked really good. There's some concerns with Detroit, but you know, he can he showed that he was very dynamic and he used as a pass catcher. So oh Gibson. Gibson. Mm -hmm. Gibson, who 
me and Pat Crane love because like our whole thing is he hit kind of not doing what he was known for, which was catching right. the football. Right. He hit doing what we were worried about. So what if they unleash him on third downs? I mean, he hit as a two down back. They unleash him and he gets 15% of the team's targets. That That's someone we could be talking about top five overall the next year. Number one. Number one. Uh, yeah. I mean, as long as they don't draft ETN, for some reason, people think Washington wants to do that. But I love Gibson. And, of course, James Robinson is another name on that list after last year. So very interesting this year. It's shallow, but it, you know, it might be okay at the top. We'll see. Um, one more thing. So we're in this league together, Empire Niagara. Everybody's talking about it. IDP in this league. So you tell me, Mike, and Adam too. I mean, just be honest with me. Everybody's watching, but I, I can take it. <laughs> I, I wanted to, to create a couple of things that are unique to this league. I, I'm in a league or have been where you draft a team defense and then you start one individual player, anybody you want from that defense. And in this thing, we're going to do team defenses, but you have four individual defensive players and two have to be from that team. Is that any kind of a cool idea? Does it work? Is it just going to, if you thought about it, like, is it just going to be sort of uh, confusing and not worth it? I, I, I guess in my mind, I thought one way or the other, somebody nominates Darius Leonard or the Colts, and then there might be some strategy in trying to figure out how to, you know, trump them and play against that. I don't know. Yeah, what if you get boxed out? What if you get, you know, <laughs> Well, you could get boxed out on the good players, but if you have the Buffalo defense, you should have all kinds of different options in a given week to start like two guys. Your, your IDP players come first, though, and you you know yeah. you, you take two Colts and then like one Bill, one Jet, and then someone outbids you on the Colts. You're that's right. That's, you go Leonard you and, and Buckner, who are two of the best IDP players, and. Suddenly, the Indianapolis team defense is bidding at fourteen dollars. I, I don't know. I, just everybody's going to try it for the first time. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to see how it goes. My inclination, honestly, is that I'll be spending a buck on on the defense and the defensive guys, and uh, you know whatever fits fits. But uh, I got to look at this scoring a little bit closer to see how much these guys move the needle. Yeah, me too. I'll probably rely on. Uh on Matt Schaaf's rankings for he's, he's, he's the IDP guys won a bunch of awards doing those rankings, but, uh, but yeah, that, that is interesting with the team. And then um, yeah, exactly. What if you get boxed out and all the players are, are taken and now you got to find another team. You got to get the jets defense or something and have to get some jets players. But um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. But like Leone said, I'll probably not have much money to spend on defense anyways. <laughs> I, I've done very little IDP. Mike Dempsey's league in Jacksonville has it. And it was Thanksgiving last year. And I had Tyrell Adams, who's now on the Bills, a linebacker for Houston. And he made it seem like every play in that game. That's the first game of the week. It's late in the season. It's important. And he is making tackle after tackle. He forced two fumbles. And I was just into it. And yeah. so – I've never really been into the defensive guys, but I think especially that first game of the week when you might have action and like just watching to see if your guys are in on plays, is kind of cool. So um, what Mike did, by the way, in his league was try to balance the scoring out so defensive players would be worth as much as offensive players. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how he feels about how he got there. I did not make that effort. 
Uh, I don't have the experience in IDP to do that, but I did notice that cornerbacks were pretty much a useless position in that league, and we're going to make you start one. Yeah, it's hard because you don't – I mean, you just don't rack up the same stats at cornerback. Yeah, like the, the best corners are never near near the ball, you know, unless you – even pass breakups, they you know, it's hard. They just don't get thrown at, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting, you know. Well, well, we'll see what we get. All right, Mike, thanks for spending so much time with us. Uh, any questions for Adam or me? Uh, Mike, first round QB show. I mean, yeah, elephant in the room. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought of, I, I logged on today and I saw uh, Adam and that's what I thought of because we're going to do this draft on Friday with draft sharks. And I just, for some stupid reason said, I'm drafting a quarterback in the first round. You guys watch. I'm going to make that work. And Man, I'll tell you, you're it's committed. It's going to be Jackson. I want to see if I can win a league with drafting Lamar Jackson at 107. What pick are you, Mike? Are you are you 107? Yeah. There you go. Uh, I like the challenge. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like, right. Uh, you know, right. Fantasy's fun. I like trying different things. Um, it is the most important position, I believe. So uh, That is true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It really doesn't mean anything uh, that clever. <laughs> so sorry to disappoint. Well, it has been a pleasure, boys. Enjoy the draft this weekend. I can't wait for day two. You know, day day one will be fine at the top, and then there'll be this and that to comment on and think about toward the end, the receiver here, the running back maybe. But day two is just loaded. And, and there are guys ranking like, you know, receivers six through 12, running backs four through eight or nine. Like it just all comes down to is there a team willing to show a commitment there and – is it the right team? And so you'll have guys who right now we're talking about. You guys talked about Seth Williams the other night. Yeah. Like there's somebody who could be really interesting come Saturday or, you know, dust. Yeah. There's the stakes are high. If you do your, I, I haven't been in a league where you do the rookie draft before the actual draft, but I could see that. But it, it's, yeah, when you get into Dynasty, it does prop up the NFL draft because you get tied to some of these prospects and then it's, it's a big sweat. Because the draft equity between going day two versus round five or six is just massive. It's big. All right, guys. Thanks again for tonight, everybody watching, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy the draft. Thanks to Mike Leone and Adam Krautwurst. I'm Mike Shope, and thanks for watching The Deep End. See you guys.